Welcome to The Power of Data, the podcast by Dun & Bradstreet. Data is everywhere, and there is more created every second of every day. Join us to hear from leaders unlocking the value of data. Welcome to the podcast from Dun & Bradstreet. My name is Sara de la Torre. I'm the head of financial services at Dun & Bradstreet in the UK. And I am delighted to speak today with my colleagues about unlocking the SME growth in the UK, perspectives, challenges and opportunities in an interconnected market. Welcome, Dame Teresa and Ravi, to our podcast. Please allow me to introduce you to Dame Teresa Graham, the UK Chair at UK Finance for SMEs. She's also passionate about breaking the red tape in the SME market. She's an active advocate on the subject and advises the government on a specific regulatory compliance matters. And she's also part of the Administrative Burdens Advisory for HMRC. Welcome. Thank you. And welcome, Ravi. Ravi Sido, subject matter expert for credit risk and compliance for SMEs at Dun & Bradstreet. Welcome. Thank you. If we go back to standard economics, raising SME productivity must be one of the core objectives for the UK economy. And by doing so, what we achieve is a much fairer economic environment where we have reduced taxes and better public services. Therefore, we probably need to think about that. The challenge that we see in the market is that SMEs feel that they lack resources, capabilities and ability to keep up in a rapidly changing market. Dame Teresa, what's the situation right now? Well, can I just first of all say how much it matters to be here within the financial services world? Because there are only two organisations that have intimate knowledge of SMEs. One is HMRC, and as you can imagine, SMEs don't find them particularly friendly, and the financial services world. So you can make a real, positive, significant difference to the lives of SMEs. And I'd like to put that into perspective. What is the life of an SME? What is it like out there? Well, every day ranges from excitement to extreme misery. And it's equally scary and exciting out there. It's exciting because you can make a real difference to yourself, to the economy, to your community. But it's very scary because the risks are intense. So you get up every morning, you want the phone to ring, you want big orders through, you're obsessed with cash flow, you're there all the time. Will I get paid on time? And it's not just big businesses that don't pay on time. It is small business to small business. You're trying to return to pre-pandemic and pre-Brexit levels. And if government says Brexit's over and it's all fine and dandy, that is absolutely not the case. And I posed this concern to someone from the Department for International Trade some time ago. And he said, well, if you can't trade in Europe, go and trade in Asia, as if you could just turn on this tap especially if you're an SME, which leads to all the rules and regulations that SMEs and other businesses have to comply with. And it's impossible to comply with them all. I did a study for government some time ago and said it is the cumulative burden is 
the burden of all these things. It's not one thing that you can do that will reduce the burden on businesses. It's the cumulative burden. And therefore, SMEs comply with regulation based on the risk of getting caught. That's what they do. And that's what they have to do. They're worrying now because they've got their Bibbles loan to pay. And these were loans that were taken out often by permanent non-borrowers. There's a lot of businesses out there that don't usually borrow. So it's quite scary having a loan. Who can they talk to at the bank? Is there a person? What are their options? And what are all these referral platforms that people keep talking about? And what digital skills do I have in-house? How can I become more efficient, more productive, more effective? Can I afford to do that? I've got rising costs. Is there something I can do in the digital world that would avoid that? And how can I attract good people into my business? Actually, how can I attract anybody into my business? Because the war for talent out there is intense. And people just want to write their own tickets now. It doesn't matter what kind of business I'm in. People want to work for me on their terms. And that's really hard. And wage inflation is really hard. Can I get apprenticeships? Are there grants available? And customers now want to make sure I run an environmentally friendly company. Do I? Is there more I can do? Where do I find out that information? And there seems to be hundreds of ways of measuring this carbon impact. And even banks that have carbon calculators on their websites, why are they different? How can they be different? I don't know. So snapshot, that's what it's like for SMEs out there. It is scary, but the SMEs are resilient. They are creative. They are determined. They are enterprising. And they will come through and emerge and thrive. And they're 95% of the UK. They are nine, there's well. 5 million of them out there, varying shapes and sizes. Yes. Absolutely. So it's not a great outlook in a heavily complex market, but equally it's a substantial opportunity if we learn how to embrace it. Absolutely. And it needs to be embraced differently. And fundamentally, what I see is that as we enter in a digital market, new set of challenges that are unprecedented and that we've not seen before arise in an equal way to the challenges that the bigger corporations have faced and are facing. And therefore, Perhaps we need to include them on this transformation process, but also understand their nature. Yeah. How do you see the market, Ravi? Well, I mean, we can't have a conversation about what's going on in the market without actually taking into consideration the broader picture. So there's, there's a huge number of geopolitical risks. There's inflation. And in terms of the impact, well, the hard numbers are year on year, 16% rise in you know, insolvencies. And that's across, you know, Europe. We're not alone in that. And I would also say in terms of the insolvencies, it's not just, you know, across the board. There's certain industries that are hit harder than others. So construction, wholesale, retail, food and accommodation. And so, you know, all of these areas, they're, they're hugely impacted as a result of the higher costs and, and inflation. So it's going to be harder for SMEs and they're going to have to think differently about how they adapt to this environment. I think, you know, at the same time as all of this kind of negative news is spiraling around, I think we're coming up to the point where maybe, you know, interest rates hopefully have peaked. 
maybe that will make a big difference to you know lending and supporting from a lending perspective in terms of costs. So I think that's something that SMEs can look forward to, hopefully, that we could be turning. But at the same time, you know, the other thing I would actually say is it's at times like this where innovation really comes to the fore. Mm. It's when you're forced, you know, you've got your back against the wall and you really have to think. It's not a comfortable place to be, but it's often where things can really change. It can be an inflection point. I agree. And the most disruptive examples that you see in the history of economics and society always happen at the time of radical change. Mm, And we are right at the beginning of that significant transformation. Yeah. And also, what is interesting, there's a big opportunity here in the run up to an election. I mean, Mm -hmm. okay, the election might not be until the end of next year. But SMEs are particularly sexy in the run-up to an election. So those who support SMEs can influence government a lot more in the run There's a lot of votes in this. Five million businesses, a lot of votes there. So we need to take the opportunities that are presented to us in the run-up to an election and in the first bit of the new administration, which is the time they get a bit more radical. We need to make sure what is it we're asking for and ask for it now. I agree. It's a unique opportunity for the UK in particular to revitalise the role that the UK plays in the economy, not just at national level, but also in the international foreplay. I also think it's very important that we think about not just lending. It's more than that. UK SMEs and UK finance and European and global finance for that matter in SMEs is interdependent and there are other factors that Mm. I think matter. But if we go back to the traditional way in which SME finance has been adopted, traditionally, it's been a very complex lending process. It's been very manual. It's been very expensive for the financial institution. So you're right. You know, the SME space is a highly underserved market. There are several things that can happen within that space. So I think we always talk about data and how it can actually help in these scenarios. And I think one of the key things with those costs we're talking about, you've got operational costs, and it's important to break this down. Operational costs in terms of how do you process the application? What's the cost to the business? But then there's the pain further down the line in terms of credit losses. So have you made the right decision? And then there's also fraud risks and the impacts of that. Now, data, if you have the right data and you have the right data sets, but also the capability to actually leverage the information through AI or other technologies, that's where you can really enhance that decision-making process to make sure you are making the right decisions, you're making them quickly, and you get the benefits in terms of those costs across those three areas. Absolutely. What do you think? Well, (laughs) I mean, I love SMEs, but there's a lot that's wrong in a lot of SMEs. And I sit around roundtables with the British Business Bank and the banking world, and we looked at this very recently and we thought, what else needs to be done? And there were a few things. So it is a fact that a lot of SMEs lack fundamental skills of running a business, especially planning, forecasting, cash flow, all of that, all that management stuff. And I see a lot of business plans and too often do I see the only link between the numbers and the narrative as a staple. That's all. There's nothing else there. There's a lot of advice out there. There's too much. We need to be able to signpost the SME to where they will learn better the fundamentals of running a business, where they will learn how to draw up a compelling business plan, a great pitch, a good narrative. The other thing is, 
SMEs have a very limited awareness of the financial products out there. Beyond overdrafts and loans, there's little thought given. I love confidential invoice discounting. I love it for growing businesses. And I spend hours persuading SMEs that it doesn't mean you're giving up control. It doesn't mean that people will think you're going bust. So again, I think we need to effectively educate these small businesses to enhance their understanding of what there is available for them at any given point in their uh, journey. Because too often, if they can't get access to what I would call traditional funding, they just give up. So, you know, there's a need to get a better signposting so that we match the SMEs better to the funder that suits them at a particular point in time. So we align them better. And also I'm finding that SMEs rely much more on social media platforms than they did the old traditional website. So we need to understand how to give them, how to message them, how best to, when to, how to, all of that needs to go. We need to give that some thought. And let me pause you there, because I think that brings us back to the point that Ravi was already highlighting in, in our previous conversation, which is around the role that data plays in all of these exercises. Definitely. The understanding of which SMEs we're talking about, understanding that the needs of a small SME operating in a particular market are different to the ones of another. And therefore, the way we tailor services to them need to understand the nature of those business and their requirements. And it is a role, in my view, and a responsibility that the entire financial apparatus must understand when nurturing new ways of embracing SME resilience. Yeah. So to me, it is very important to understand the size of the organization. It is very important to understand how to access that information. And it occurs to me that sometimes a large amount of SMEs may rely too much purely on overdraft because that's the only thing they know. Yes. And unfortunately, that's leading on to the challenges that we see now around cash flows. And perhaps it's worth taking some reflection of that and think about ways in which we could address some of that with new ways such as they call it lending as a service or more traditionally thinking differently about the way we finance invoices, the way we finance working capital Are there new trends? Do you see that the industry is starting to understand? So in terms of, you know, different ways of of lending and lending as a service, I mean, first of all, what Dame Teresa was referring to earlier in terms of the options around lending, I've seen numbers from UK Finance, for example, where the highest kind of borrowing is within the kind of the overdraft facility, which is almost like you passively fall into that trap of you're paying those fees. And that's very expensive as well. So, you know, clearly there are things that SMEs can do better. And there are options out there in terms of alternative kind of forms of credit. And sometimes it's not really credit because we alluded to this. So in terms of working capital, invoice finance, you know, that's really helping you support your business. You know, the view of it and the way that maybe SMEs perceive that probably needs to change. But also that explanation, maybe from whether it's banks or other financial institutions or elsewhere, how does that get to the SME? How can they be educated a little bit more about where that kind of fits together? Because that's what it's really about, matching their need with the Mm. right tool Mm. to help them. And have you noticed also, Ravi, 
how asset-based lending is soaring. Absolutely, so something's yes. happening there. Yes. So we need, you know, we just need to educate. We need to get this in front of them and say, this is why this will work for you. Yes. And, and I think a lot of the things even within asset finance is driven by the realisation that, you know, there was this belief that low ticket, high volume, that's where you automate. But the reality is, you can do it everywhere. It's just you have to do it in a slightly different way. And so asset finance is, is experiencing that at the moment. And we can see that. Yes. And it's important that we think about the fact that during the COVID time, mm. a new trend emerged, which is the fact that a growing amount of SMEs is made out of one or two people mm. who are now launching their own business and therefore the need to think differently is also deriving from the fact that the requirements that we need in the economy must change with different ways of tapping into that market that are far more innovative and more targeted at making their lives easier, yeah. making a difference, perhaps in a way that is similar to what we've seen over the past years in the consumer market. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to make an observation there to see if you see a parallelism there and an opportunity to learn some lessons from that market, because we've seen that in the case of consumer market, there are loads of new alternatives, loads of new ways to access consumer loans, consumer finance, technology platforms, fintechs, traditional and neobanks, they're all endorsing very creative ways to drive yeah. consumer finance. Maybe it's time yeah. to think about some of that in the SME finance market. That's, right. That's a very interesting point you make. So the challenger banks are coming to the fore there. And there's a couple of things there. Yes. Because the thing that I am finding is although the challenger banks are gaining traction, they're not able to supply all the products that an SME needs. And I'm wondering whether we'll see a shift towards SMEs having two banks, you know, having to go to two banks. One, because of the reason you've just said, because they find it's faster, quicker, cheaper, whatever, in the digital world of the challengers or the fintechs, but also the more traditional, because they're the ones with the money to produce all of the products that they need from time to time. I don't know. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, you know, in the consumer space, I would think nothing of going to a Best Buy table yeah. and just saying yeah. that's the product I want. I want yeah. the one that's going to be the most, you know, whether it's the term of the you yes. know, interest-free period, whatever it may be, that kind of draws me to that. And there's nothing to say that SMEs can't or won't do the same. And I think to some extent it's happening today. You have marketplaces where they can actually go to. Now, whether everybody's doing that is a is a separate question. But in an ideal world, absolutely, why shouldn't you look for you know the most competitive product? But the question is how easy is it? And how much do they understand of those products? And is there a is there a comfort factor that keeps them within the domain of what they understand or what they feel comfortable with and they don't want to push outside of that? So there's lots of challenges here in terms of how SMEs view this. Yeah. The other challenge I think is trust, trust in financial services world, which, you know, which is not a given. And you've been through a, you know, a bit of a trough. And I think things are improving. But there's a big problem there. Or there's a big, there's a big something that you have to do to gain trust. Because with 51% of permanent non-borrowers, which is the largest since the pandemic, then we need, you need to do something to get closer, to get these businesses to trust you more. And this is where we tap onto the notion that it's not just about lending. It's exactly. also about 
providing additional value in the shape of tax services, advisory, invoice processing, debt management, all sorts yeah. of alternatives that can really highlight and reinforce the role that the wider apparatus has and the commitment that we're making to drive the sustainability of those firms. Yeah. And now that we talk about sustainability, another plus element to me is linked around sustainability. You touched on that briefly before, and I'm keen to go back to that because, of course, the broad economy now is talking about ESG and sustainability. And ultimately, we see how the financial system has been built for a long time around profit. Mm -hmm. And it's not been a long term. But as we enter a new market and a new economy where consumers are demanding something different, we see that the role of sustainability is driving a more long-term focus, which must encompass SMEs. Now, SMEs are ready to embrace sustainability. The challenge that they have is resources and knowledge again. Mm -hmm. So I pose that question to yourselves here and is, are we really sure that the role of sustainability depends solely on the SME? And is there something that financial institutions can do and need to do in order to impact on the overall net zero goals, which include, of course, SMEs? I do think a lot of work is going in from many of the individual banks into trying to for their own reasons, because they need to measure their carbon impact too. Yes. So for various reasons, you know, we are aligned here. I think what I don't see, however, I don't see as much collaboration as I would like to see. I know there are cartel rules and I know you abide by them and so you should, but I do not understand in terms of net zero how the financial services world can't be aligned on a number of things, like carbon calculators. I mean, how can there be a hundred ways of calculating carbon? So at least we'd have a level, the SMA would then have a level playing field. This is how we calculate. Right. Okay. Now I'll choose my lender. So yes. I don't think there's any competition issues there. I just think yes. we just need, you need to be a bit more collaborative. And I think it's the role of businesses as well to play their part. You fund big businesses. You've got great influence. I mean, Big businesses can help their smaller brethren in many, many ways. And again, it's in their best interest yes. to help the supply chain that they're involved in, to help them get better, to help them towards net zero, to help them understand the to help them understand cash flow. Yes. Do you see also responsible lending part of these conversations? So driving models that enable lending based on sustainability goals? And do you see examples that are already happening? I think there are examples already today in terms of kind of lending for good for kind of changing the infrastructure to support that, the net zero aims. So I think, you know, within the framework, the, the risk framework with any bank, there will be these additional overlays now. So in the past, it's been about credit risk, but now it's about sustainability, about all the other risks that haven't been taken into consideration. So in some ways, the banks are sitting on a lot of information there in terms of what they perceive as a good risk and that I'm talking about in the broader sense, and what they see as a kind of more of a negative risk. And that information is useful for them to make that assessment. But actually, when we're talking about partnership and working with prospective SMEs, 
that information is useful to that SME. Yeah. How do yes. you perceive me today? Yes. And so in some ways it becomes of, well, I can choose the best business. I can go out and say, well, if you're doing these kinds of initiatives, I'll finance you. But equally, you've got a book of business. Why not work with those businesses and actually say, well, how can we help move the needle there? Yes. How can we improve and how can we collaborate with you? So that's just another way of looking at it. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, with other businesses, large to small, whether it's financial institutions with SMEs, there's multiple partnerships that you can think of. Yes. And I think that collaboration and shared services and sharing data is more and more a recurring theme as we evolve in our conversation. I think that some economies certainly are taking the lead in some of these initiatives. And we see that in some places, I, I believe in Singapore, for example, this is this is quite advanced. There are a smart KPIs powered by data, machine learning and, and advanced analytics that allow you to establish KPIs and sustainability criteria that lead to incentives on your lending process. I think that this is something that needs to be available for SME finance overall. And I think that equally, there is a need to think creatively about the whole thing. And to me, again, this is about collaboration, mm -hmm. collaboration between the large and the small one, between the financial institution and the SME, between certain types of financial institutions and others, because not everybody has the answer to everything. And there is also, of course, a wider collaboration amongst public and private sector and services providers and data providers to enable that change, which to me is interconnected. Mm. And I think that's, that's to me the biggest change that we see in the industry, which perhaps wasn't so strong before. But today, if we want to make a change, we've got to see that collaboration mm. thriving at the yeah. core of the transformation. Yes. And I think on the ESG agenda, I can see the E and I see the G, but I don't very often see the dialogue or the narrative around the S. And I think there is an awful lot we need to do to understand what that means and how the financial services world can react to the S and the ESG. Yes. The social aspect is more complex uh, yeah. and, it, and it has so many dimensions, but we have to start somewhere. We have to, we have to start that. Yeah. And maybe that's a way of collaborating, because if you can't collaborate on social aspects, there's no real hope, is yes. there? I think, I think there's been a lot of incentives on the E, which have driven the exactly. behaviour in that direction. But if we want to achieve the overall sustainability goals that United Nations is asking us Correct. to fulfill, yeah. we really need to start looking at what technology and data can do to start addressing the S. Yeah. And we also need to think about perhaps a different type of governance, yes. which I think that in the case of SMEs could also be different. And I don't know what you think here, but, but I think that there is a lot that needs to be done. And of course, this is the beginning. And I think part of these conversations is to really reflect and, and think creatively. So what do you think, if you could do something, what do you think is missing? And what could we do tomorrow if we could start? Well, you know, I was thinking of some calls to action because, you know, I never let an opportunity go yes. by. And for example, I was talking to the small business commissioner at one of the conferences and we all believe that businesses, big businesses, should have a director on their board responsible for engagement of SMEs. And both of us have seen in the past where this happens, 
there is a positive benefit to the SMEs in their supply chain. And we've seen that on prompt payment in particular, where they've ring-fenced the SMEs in a way which has been outstanding. So that's one thing I would do. The other thing I would do, as you know, I advise HMRC, and one of the things I say is, if you're at the sharp end of delivering services to SMEs, because you call us customers rather than taxpayers, then you need to spend a day with an SME watching, listening, seeing what goes on in that. And we find SMEs to host. So I would ask all of whoever is listening to these podcasts, if you're at the sharp end of SME lending, have you spent a day with an SME? Do you know what it's like? So just go and visit and do that. I also think businesses learn best from businesses. And I think you could, as the financial services world, convene SMEs into learning sets. You put them in a room and you leave them talking. They've all got the same problems. They've all got the same opportunities. I did one of those a few years ago with 10 businesses and we could talk about what the issues of the day were. They got to know each other's businesses and there was a trade delegation. One of them was invited to. and He went abroad representing the other nine. So there are fantastic things emerge with a bit of creativity. I also think if you could help. So I'm asking for your help here. I'm constantly saying to government, when you procure with big businesses, please, can you have on that agenda a demonstration of how that big business treats its SMA community in its supply chain? Does it have one? What does it do? Is it helping them? Because that, to me, is one way, especially on net zero, how to run all of these things that big businesses could pass on. And finally, actually, if you talk to the Scale Up Institute, there are less, about just under 30,000 businesses within the SME community who provide 55% of the GDP of the total population. So how about this 30,000 do that? How about the financial services industry focusing on 100? You've got the data. You know better than anybody when businesses is going well and when it's not, because you see the money every single minute of the day. So how about, let's get, if there's 30,000 out there, let's target another 30,000. Can you imagine if that GDP, can you imagine how much GDP, extra GDP could be unleashed? Why don't we do that? All extraordinary suggestions and takeaways, Dame Teresa, and I agree with them all. I also think that the UK as an economy and as a country has always pioneered transformation and innovation. And I think that maybe it would be a great opportunity for the UK to start embracing SME finance in a transformative way with some of the examples that you suggest and others in order to reposition that role, which I think is fantastic. And I think that we need to look back at our history and the things we've achieved and the transformation that we've done with fintechs, investments, transformation. And it is remarkable. So it is important as well not to lose sight of that. And perhaps there is a need to pivot the engine of creativity and international apparatus that we have to the advantage of the SME market. What do you think? So I think your final point, you were talking about information and data and actually one of the big areas where I think we can really make a a big influence is within that kind of sharing of information. So, you know, in the last five, six years, we've had the commercial credit data sharing and 
I've talked, you know, I've been an advocate and it's been something that I know that banks, financial institutions will benefit from. But let's just focus on the SME perspective of those data sources. Today, there is a fragmented view of that information. And so from an SME's perspective, they wouldn't necessarily know when they apply for credit, are they taking into account that loan from Bank A or, you know, the overdraft facility that I've been managing really well from Bank B? It's just not known to them. It's not clear. And the reality is the reason why it's not clear is because there are four commercial credit reference agencies and they all may have a slightly different view, all because banks aren't sharing across all of them. They're potentially only sharing across one. It's only mandated for nine designated banks to share across all. And as Dame Theresa mentioned earlier, the market share of those challenges is much larger, but there's nothing to say that they should share across that. So I think, you know, democratizing that data will really help SMEs and it'll give them a view. And, you know, tied to that is their understanding of their credit as well. I can pull a credit report and I can actually have a look at that. And it's one of the services, obviously, that DMB can provide in that regard. And it's something that's really powerful for an SME to really start getting close to, you know, how am I managing my finances? It's all in one place. You can physically see that. So I think that's one of those really kind of important areas that could really benefit. I'm with him on that. Breaking barriers. Absolutely. Democratising data. Definitely making it available for everyone, no matter the size, and driving collaboration amongst the small and larger players, big and small institutions, public, private sectors, all together, driving change in SME finance. Absolutely. Thank you. Find out more about how Dun & Bradstreet can help your business be better. Contact us at marketinguk at dnb.com. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.